Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with wrestler extraordinaire, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. So, Father Len, uh, my oldest son is a big Howard Stern fan. Because for years, I've been in the business of coaching and developing radio personalities. He just sent me a copy of Howard's latest book. It's titled, Howard Stern Comes Again. So are you familiar with Howard, Father Len? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know who he is vaguely, but I've never really listened to him. So, All right. Well, for you and for listeners that may not be familiar with him, let me kind of fill you in a little bit. Howard is one of the most popular radio personalities in the world. His audience is in the millions. Much of Howard's show is devoted to conversations uh, with all kinds of celebrities, movie stars, recording artists, authors, politicians, including presidents. He's talked to most of the presidents that are alive. Uh, The list is kind of amazing. And the conversations are intimate, raw, and uh, a little raunchy at times. Mostly, they're about Howard's fascination with the mysteries of life, trying to make sense of it all. Joys and sorrows, successes and failures, happiness, pleasure and satisfaction. And Howard, for people who listen to him all the time and can cut through the raunchiness and whatever uh, at times, Howard is thoughtful, he's empathic, he's very introspective, and he's just crazy curious. And his conversations go deep and almost always reveal things about the lives of his guests and even Howard himself and, and often imparting some kind of surprising wisdom. So the book my son gave me is a collection of Howard's favorite conversations with celebrities who've appeared on his show. And what caught my attention is a section in the book devoted to conversations about religion and spirituality. In it, Howard reveals how conflicted he is about faith and religion. And and I kind of suspect that his thoughts and feelings are shared by many people. So how about we dive into Howard's uh, little religious dilemma here and see if we can help him sort it out. Love to. Love to. I don't think I can help him sort it out, but I can give some of my opinion. All right. Well, you know, if he gets a hold of this, maybe that'll be helpful to him. Call me, Howard. (laughs) Shall I give him your phone number, Father Leonard, your email address? Uh. Yeah, not my phone number. I I guard that too much. (laughs) Well, let's start by, you know, kind of going into some of the things that he wrote in his book to kind of illuminate uh, his dilemma and his kind of thinking and stuff. So he writes, I love talking to my guests about religion. I love asking them about their beliefs. Religion and spirituality to me are two very different things. Man tends to, you know, pervert religion. That's how you end up with priests sexually abusing altar boys and hucksters swindling old ladies out of their life savings. That type of hypocrisy fascinates me, he writes. And and I, I'm always interested in exploring it, he says. 
The main reason I like discussing religion and spirituality on the show is a selfish one, and this kind of illuminates his uh, dilemma a little bit. He says, I'm looking to get some clarity about my own beliefs. Maybe one day one of my guests will say something so profound that I finally figure out where I stand. I'm kind of caught in this weird in-between zone. So, Father Len, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I have so many. Number one, uh, you said he was a very curious type, always wants to explore the mysteries of life. God bless him for that. Uh, that is the road to wisdom. So even if he's a provocateur, God, you know, that is a great asset. Yeah, he's a, he's um, a very smart guy, actually. Well, that that's a blessing. I mean, that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that curiosity. So uh, God bless him. But I guess I, I have several things. One, when he says... Humanity tends to pervert religion. Well, humanity tends to pervert a lot of things, most things, religion, politics, nature, marriage. The fact that human beings are broken and tend to make a mess of things, including religion, doesn't take away from the inherent goodness of any of those things. Politics can be very noble. Marriages can be loving, if not broken. Nature is still beautiful, even when we pollute it with trash and freeway bulletin boards. So I'm a little surprised that Howard doesn't think of himself and or even his own occupation. It's not like there hasn't been swindlers or abusers on ra the radio industry. I know nothing about the radio industry, but you can't tell me that somehow there are all these innocent saints. Well, I can, I can tell you for sure, being in the industry for a long time, there, is, uh, there are some abusers, swindlers, and whatever in the radio business. There is everywhere, and that's my point. So what is Howard so innocent that he's not used to seeing human corruption in every area of life? Uh, you know, and his position that if only we could get rid of religion, we wouldn't have to address corruption, but at least religion, as broken as it may be, is mandated to try and clean up cr the corrupting impulses of human beings. Even Jesus uh, tells a parable about the little old lady being swindled out of her money. Uh, he has a whole parable on that. Jesus is critical of religion for the very same thing, but he's not doing away with religion. And the second thing is, the way he phrases it implies that religion can be broken because of human beings, but spirituality is somehow more pure. You know, studies have shown that people say that they're spiritual but not religious. They actually donate less, help less, volunteer less than religious people. The spiritual but not religious types, they give at one of the lowest rates. So what evidence does he have that spirituality is not affected by this human brokenness of hypocrisy? One's private spirituality is actually less accountable to the group. Spirituality is only accountable to the individual. It can be whatever it declares itself to be. So it's irrelevant as an alternative to the hypocrisy of religion. It can't be hypocritical because spirituality is integrity is totally dependent upon each individual, what they declare. So, it's false to promote it as this meaningful alternative to religion. Now, as I said, I applaud his, his fascination, his curiosity for God. That's one of the traits of being a human being. 
mentioned this before, there's all these neurological studies that show that our brain is hardwired to seek meaning and connection. The only ones who don't are sociopaths. And that's the premise of the whole study started with a book, Why God Won't Go Away, because it turns out we're hardwired to seek meaning. So like, like Howard Stern, I too am fascinated by sociopaths. The fact that there's sociopaths in religion and business and schools and religion doesn't invalidate religion any more than it does education or mystery. Now, he says, I'd like to take a stand. I thought that was funny. He said he'd like to take a stand because religion is about making a pilgrimage. That's really big in Judaism and Catholicism. We're never supposed to be the same year after year after year, having everything about us being challenged. Yep. So what do you mean? Take a stand. I'd say, no, take the pilgrimage and evolve. But like his criticism about the hypocrisy, like I just find it disingenuous of him not to say, but I'm a hypocrite. The radio industry is a hypocrite, but at least religion tries to marshal its own hypocrisy. But you know, what's interesting, Father Len, is that the view of religion from outside religion and those who criticize religion is that somehow, even though it involves human beings, it has to be totally pure. It can't have any faults or hypocrisy or whatever. And I think that's where people kind of get caught up that somehow religion is a different place where human beings go and are, and somehow they become perfect when they become religious. Yeah. You don't enter religion because you're perfect. You enter religion as a way of, on the way to becoming a better person. My problem with his saying about spirituality, like anybody can declare spirituality for what it wants. And so, yeah, there's no hypocrisy in spirituality because you're not measuring against anything but your current way of life. So let, let's dive into another thing here that kind of contributes to his thinking about religion, and that's his, his own experience with it. He says, I look at my own experience with religion. This is, this is directly quoting from his book. My parents put me into deep religious training, two, three times a week, for hours on end, sitting there learning all kinds of scripture and stuff, and it made me effing crazy. I had so much religious training growing up. All the time I spent learning about, you know, Sarah and Abraham, these nutty stories. Why go to all the trouble of having a kid in your 90s? And he's talking about Sarah and Abraham here. If you're just going to murder the miracle baby, what exactly was the lesson I was supposed to take away from that, he says. Going to sleep at night, and this is kind of funny and interesting, typical Howard. He says, going to sleep at night was hard enough without worrying about my father in some Abraham-like frenzy creeping into my room and slitting my throat because of his covenant with God. Okay, then he goes funny. on to say, it is pretty funny, but, you know, a little hyperbole and whatever there. Uh, um, humorous. I love it. Yeah, it's great. So, But then he says, my parents weren't living a spiritual life. They gave him all this spiritual training and whatever, but they weren't living a spiritual life. They just put me into it. I'm like, why am I involved in this? What a waste. And then he has a little fun here again. He says, imagine if you would put all that time into guitar. 
I'd have been in a band right now. If only I'd spent those hours taking guitar lessons instead of studying scripture, maybe I would have ended up being Howard Van Halen. So, so Father Lynn, what's your reaction to that? Well, okay, my reaction is, I, A, think it's pretty funny. And it's funny, and he's just being humorous because he's not worried his father's going to creep into his room because after that he mentions, if you really listen, he mentioned the fact that his parents were hypocrites, that they forced him to do it, but they didn't actually live any of it. So he already knew as a kid that they were hypocrites. And I ran across this study that if you preach religion to your kids, but you don't practice it, you're not introducing your children to a way of a faithful life, but you're introducing your children on being a hypocrite, uh, that you say one thing and do another. And even Jung, a great psychologist, one of the founders, he also noticed that the very same thing in a study, that this odd thing is that mothers actually tend to be the teachers of the faith. But if a child sees their father not practicing religion, most probably that child won't because it's all verbiage. You don't really have to put it into action. And Howard picked that up. So he wasn't frightened. But well, it's strange. And- and, and no wonder he views religion as hypocritical. I mean, look at where he grew up. I mean, he because gets all that's this. That's exactly what he was taught. Totally, yeah, he was he was sent to school, but he was taught really this hypocrisy, and he picked that up. So how dare he say all religion is hypocritical? When he then says it was hypocritical in my house, doesn't mean it's <laughs> hypocritical in every house. Yep. And the other thing is those passages that are really tough that you have to wrestle with. They are difficult, and one has to wrestle with them, but they're beautifully poetic. And I don't want to explain all that stuff, but see, I love the poetry that monotheism, that real faith, religion, was born from an elderly couple who, after a lifetime of reflection and prayer, they came to believe that this elderly couple are wildly excessive in showing hospitality to strangers. You know, people outside their group, they ran... they. They cooked a whole cow for three strangers. And the story goes, that's how religion began. That real faith didn't begin with some young, strong couple who thought they knew everything. Real religion was born by an elderly couple who were wild in their love and hospitality. So, yeah, there were poetic passages that have to be wrestled with. And it gives you the skill of looking at things differently. So I think it's kind of sad that Howard was taught how not to wrestle with poetry and meaning. But clearly, he gained some of it if he's really a commentator on on society. He did gain some of that skill. Granted, he's not Eddie Van Halen, but Eddie Eddie Van Halen couldn't read music. (laughs) I didn't know that. I know. I was kind of shocked when I saw that on the news, that he just was a natural. Okay, let's go back to the Sarah and Abraham story from the Bible for just a minute. I don't think you answered Howard's main question about the story. He wonders what possible lesson or takeaway could come from what he views as this nutty story of a couple in their 90s having what he refers to as a miracle baby and then wanting to murder it. Howard is right. That's a bizarre story. That prophecy begins with the sacrifice of Isaac. Now, Isaac is not really sacrificed. Uh, He's willing to be, 
but he never dies. Uh, actually, what dies in his place is a ram who has his head caught in the thorns, uh, this male lamb. And for us, that's going to be Christ who wears a crown of thorns. And Abraham doesn't want to kill Isaac. That's the last thing he wants. And well, Isaac, is, Isaac is his son. The son that Howard refers to as the miracle baby. Yeah, his son that he's always waited for. What he does is offer his son to God. Well, in a way, we all do that. Parents do that in baptism all the time. They bring their child and they make this promise to offer this child back to God. This child that was a gift, they're going to return the gift by raising the child to know God. So it's an offering, not a killing. The point of the story is that the trickster God has religion start with this elderly couple. I just think it's beautiful that real faith and real reflection comes from a 90-year-old couple. You know, people who are in their old age. Like I've met so many elderly parishioners who are just amazing in their kindness and sweetness after a lifetime of reflection. And one guy who I just admire to no end here in the parish I actually think he's a saint, but his wife jokes that, well, in his younger days, he was had won nothing to do with religion. And she told me a couple of stories and it's like, wow, that is not the guy I know. And she says that he's not who it is today. I know another guy who he's actually a deacon who died recently, who uh, I was surprised all these great letters of what a holy man and young people uh, who he changed their life. Well, I then later found out about his earlier life. And when he was young, he was brash and wildly angry. Hmm. Um, and the marriage was difficult. And it only became incredibly beautiful late in their old age. And then he became a deacon. And he truly was this huge inspiration to uh, hundreds of people. So, yeah, I like the fact that, no, it's not the arrogant young who can give birth to religion. Sometimes the one who can give birth to a whole way new, new way of life is actually the elderly. That's what the deacon did. That's what this guy who I know, like, he's just profound. So, yeah, I like real religion was born from an elderly couple. So let's move on to a, a little more of Howard's uh, reaction and his dilemma with religion. He writes this. He says, every religion to me is extraordinarily bizarre. There's weirdos in every religion. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on in the name of religion. He says, I've come to the conclusion in my life that all religions are sort of nutty. I just don't get it sometimes. And then he he writes also, he says, I love what Rondi, Rodney Dangerfield says, um, and that was, that was one of the interviews that was in the book. What Rodney Dangerfield says about how he doesn't believe in God, he believes in logic. And Howard says, a big part of me agrees with him. I have often said, there's no God, there's no way. Well, okay. Well, I guess my first would be, there are is tons of psychological studies that prove human beings are not solely logical. Like there's a book that says you're not as smart 
uh, smart as you think you are. And it details in how many ways we are not logical. Like the old economic system is that, you know, supply and demand and people will make their decisions based on logic. You know what they found out economically? Nobody works according to logic. So it's not surprising. You know, at least purely by logic, I should say. Also, there's this great study called the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. It's just, yeah, I have to remember this one. The Dunning-Kruger effect is this. Dumb people think that they're smarter than they are. And truly smart people are odd at how much they need to learn. So the more you realize, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is, why do dumb people always say that they're logical? Because they're dumb. Um, just saying <laughs> that you're logical doesn't prove that you are. You're, you're just accusing Rodney Dangerfield of being dumb, are you? Well, no, I'm saying it could be the <laughs> Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh, okay. I, I have found this so true in my life. This isn't I, from you. It's from this. No, no, uh, this is actually a, a well-known study. I get it. I get it. Study. And why is it the most educated are the ones that are most odd at what they don't know that all the sages through history have spoken about this. And now we just have a lot of research to back it up, except it's always been part of the great wisdom tradition of humanity. Confucius said real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. Charles Darwin said ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge or uh, you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, or a little learning is a dangerous thing, Alexander Pope, or William Shakespeare said, the fool does not think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. So just saying, well, I work by logic, actually, no, number one, there's no proof that human beings actually work like logic. And the more somebody says I'm logical, the more likely, highly likely they're not. And here's my problem. When was it proven that logic is the preeminent human virtue? So what if you're logic? Let's say you're lo- you claim to be logical. Well, I make good toast. That doesn't make me more right. Even Einstein believed that his best attribute was not that he was logical, but that he was creative. The German education system, which he revolted against, prized its own type of logic. But Einstein bristled against it. He praised creativity. He said that if he wasn't a mathematician, he would have been a musician. So does Howard and Rodney Dangerfield believe that not believing in religion somehow makes them logical because the greatest scientists in history all believed in religion. Blaise Pascal, Newton, Einstein. Um, Well, Einstein believed in God, but they could work by logic and faith. Uh, Howard makes it sound like, well, there's this contrast. Why is it that the brilliant, most brilliant minds in history, whether it's Confucius or Einstein, they all believed in religion. The Greek philosophers, they believed in religion. Well, you know, it's interesting because while Howard says that being logical and, and or that Rodney Dangerfield announcing he doesn't believe in God because he's logical, 
But yet Howard is continuing to explore what he believes. He's still not sure. I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I think to, that's it. To me. Yeah. So let's move on to this next passage uh, where he writes, I'm caught in this weird in-between zone. I have often said, there's no God, there's no way. Then I quickly think better of it. And I say to myself, I better not say that. And then he goes on to say, I'm so paranoid. What if there is a God and I get punished for not believing? Then he blurts out, well, there might be one. Yes, there definitely is a God. Like I said, I'm in a weird in-between zone. He refers to it as his personal purgatory. And then he goes on to relate this to radio. He says, my indecisiveness is even more agonizing and confounding because it violates the single most important rule of being successful in radio. You must have a definite opinion. I've def defined my whole career by this principle. Yet when it comes to religion, I'm unable to follow it. Telling people there is no God is good radio. And telling people there is a God is also good radio. Telling people there is no God, but wait, maybe there is one, that's bad radio. I know it, but I still can't help myself. I'm afraid to offend the Almighty. So, Father Len, what do you make of that? Well, once again, I think it's kind of funny, but doing theology through fear is the worst kind of theology. Awe is a better teacher. When it says fear, Lord, is the beginning of wisdom, it means awe. And also, no offense, it's kind of a juvenile approach. Adhering to religion because you're afraid, that's not faith. It's a self-serving type of laziness. Why does he believe that he has to be completely decisive for the sake of the audience? He seems more concerned about the audience rather than simply seeking the truth. The greatest mystery of all is God. And even the angels in the Bible, when they see God, they keep repeating three times, you are different, you are different, you are different. The angels are awed by God. They know God. They're decisive about God. And yet for all eternity, they can't define God. So all the angels and saints are facing God. But Howard is only facing his audience, looking for their reaction. And partly he's just looking in the mirror. But he's looking at his audience for their reaction. He's fascinated by his own response and attitude. But I think he's facing the wrong direction. If he wants to see the truth, stop measuring it by what your audience reaction will be. And about being decisive, it just reminds me, no offense of myself. When I was a younger priest, I was so arrogant, thinking I knew everything. And like, I just never forget one of my friends once said something. And I said, well, I, I don't really believe that. And he says, what do you mean you don't believe that? He said, you told me X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and I believed it because you were so emphatic. And I said, when am I not emphatic? When I believe something, I believe something. Except I was 28 years old when I said that. And now, you know, I'm almost 60. And I have been proven wrong by God so many times. I'm a little gun shy about being too decisive on many things. There's a small menu of items I believe intransigently. You know, love, but 
many other things, especially when I was 28 years old, I'm just not that decisive on. For him to say, I have to be decisive, no, I think you pick what areas you're decisive. That's, you know, the young see the world in terms of black and white. The you know, elderly see a lot of gray. You know, it does reveal kind of this human tendency to want to be logical, to want things to be clear and black and white. When, you know, it, it, it's really hard to define God. I don't think we can ever it's define. It's hard. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, and to give into that, plus, I mean, he's such a creative guy. The thing I do like, though, is that he's vulnerable enough even given, you know, what his belief is in good radio, and I think he's fairly right about that, he's vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I can't figure this one out quite yet. You know, I'm I'm still working on it. I give him applause for that. I was thinking the same thing. Like, he actually can show up um, mentioned, mocking his own doubts. Yep. So, but he's still gauging himself by the audience. Uh, not really facing truth, but he's just trying to work ratings. Well, so he's like vulnerability is about he, ratings. Well, and also he's like all of us. You know, we would kind of like to have all the answers if we could. You know, let's see if we can figure everything out and and so have the true. answer. So let finally, there's one last uh, little passage that I think we might want to deal with, where he writes. I so desperately want to believe. I want to know that there is an afterlife. I don't want the party to end when I die. I can't grasp that the world is going to go on without me and not miss a beat. And then he goes on to say, really, at the end of the day, I'm hoping for the movie Ghost. I drop dead, wrap my arms around Demi Moore, and we make poetry for eternity. I think Debbie Demi Moore was making pottery. I don't think she was making poetry. Whoop, oh, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes, you're right. I misread that. That whole clay <laughs> where, where, Yes, he, he wants to make pottery with Dem, Demi Moore. All right. Sorry about that, Fatherland. No, I just, I saw the movie. Well, I admire him for wanting to believe. That I, I think that's great. That, that's wonderful. But I also think he makes the afterlife about himself. Did you notice all the eyes and knees? And then he turns it to him and Demi Moore. If heaven is this community of unconditional love, a narcissist wouldn't understand it, wouldn't want to even be part of that love if the party is not about themselves. So narcissists would never understand heaven. And no offense, it's a little all about Howard here. What am I going to get out of this afterlife gig? That's basically what he's asking. And really no curiosity at all, just a desire for things to go on the same way they were in life. I find that kind of a total poverty of imagination. He's not really interested in the afterlife. He's interested in his life now continuing as it has been. Well, I mean, again, that kind of goes back to this whole human tendency, especially if your life is good, you know, and even people whose lives aren't good, the idea about heaven is that it's going to be better. It's going to be, you know, kind of a continuation somehow, but much better, much bigger. You know, more bigger pleasure, home. more happiness. Hair, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have hair on my head, all that stuff. But what if it's just unconditional love? And those who want to participate in unconditional love and love others, they get what it's about. For those who said, no, I thought I was getting a better car. 
<laughs> they're not going to be really interested in a you know eternity of unconditional love. Yep. So I, I just find it, as I said, a total poverty of imagination. Well, I, I like it, Father Len. I, I hope uh, I hope Howard likes it or gets something out of this, and I, and I well, hope the I audience bad, does I too. I was very critical, I, and I don't mean to be. I'm not. I'm not crass. I don't like mocking people, but I am critical. Yeah, you don't people. like mocking people. <laughs> well, that's not true. Yeah, I like. <laughs> that isn't true at all. I, yeah, that, I do love mocking people. I love, but it's inclusive. But I don't okay. like. I don't like mocking people that makes them feel bad about themselves. And that sounds much better coming from a Catholic priest, Father Len. I like that. I think you so redeemed I feel like yourself. I was too harsh on Howard, but you know, uh, he's the one who published his thoughts, and yep. I think there's errors in his logic. Well, we welcome. Your thoughts and comments uh, and questions on this episode or any of our episodes, it's easy to get those to us. Uh, you just head over to our website. That's www.gshow.com, www.gshow.com, and you can click on the questions button there. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling With God show, please share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help people discover us. And we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.